On the Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Hello, I'm Mike Bacon, Director of Retail Systems for Ethan Allen. As a leader in the industry, we are constantly evolving our customer experience. We made a strategic decision 20 years ago that has allowed us to accelerate our use of technology. Every experience in each Ethan Allen store and on our website needs to live up to our brand's expectation. Storus has consistently delivered key functionality that matters to our customers and has been an exceptional partner along the way. Visit Storus.com to learn more today. Welcome to this week's edition of On the Record. We have a unique and special treat for you this week. Um, Everyone is trying to target Millennials and Gen Z, so we have put together a focus group of Millennial and Gen Z consumers, all of whom have recently undergone some kind of life change that has put them in the market for furniture, whether it's a new house, a new apartment. Uh, In one case, we have a gentleman here with a new baby. He may be sleep deprived, so we'll keep that in in mind with his answers. Um, But all of them have something that has caused them to be in the market for furniture. So we're just going to go around the table, and Brandon, we'll start with you. So um, you can stay awake for this part. I'm sure the baby has tired you out. But just kind of introduce yourself, tell folks who you are, and then we'll go around and start talking about your furniture process. Okay. Um, Brandon, I'm 30. Um, I live in Burlington, and just recently had a little girl, and she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And um, <clears throat> we recently just uh, purchased some new furniture, uh, particularly leather, because of you know baby circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's made life a lot easier, and uh, the comfort of that, I, you just can't go wrong with leather. There we go. We'll talk about that in more detail. Hi, my name is Hannah. I just recently bought a house back in January, so right after Christmas. Um, and how old are you? Oh, I'm 24, almost. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> it's not a job interview. I can ask you that. <laughs> yeah. um, hi, my name is Caroline. I'm 21. I'm a High Point University senior, and I just got my first summer apartment, so that's why I had to look into the furniture. And I'm Adelaide. I'm a recent college grad. I just moved out of dorms into my first apartment. It's a two-bedroom, so I started with basically nothing. I'm 21. Okay, so all of you have been in the market. Um, How many of you looked online? And you'll have to say, let's just raise your hands and I will tell you. How many of you looked online during your furniture shopping process? For those of you who can't see the hands, they're all raised. Brandon, you said you, let's start with you, since you said you just purchased leather furniture. Tell us tell a little bit about what your process was. Where did you start that process? Um, I looked <clears throat> I looked a little bit of on Amazon and also Wayfair, um, but I actually have a, a pretty good uh, retail store that's nearby um, my local home, and they have really good discount deals, so I went over there and checked them out, and they gave me a good rate on something. And How did you know about that retail store? Um, I actually have a personal relationship with the the uh, the owner there so um, I know him personally and uh, I wouldn't shop anywhere else he just has good quality stuff and really takes care of his clients and um, yeah okay Hannah you have a, a new house in January um, I presume that you are thinking about or have thought about or have recently made some furniture purchases yes we bought our sofa at Big Lots that's where we went. Um, we were told about Big Lots and their furniture department through a friend. 
It was convenient. It was cheaper. It was just a way for us to go in and kind of test. Um, I did look up a lot online, kind of more so just to kind of get an idea of what I like, color scheme or that sort of thing. Where did you look online? Online, well, Pinterest was a big, like, to kind of get the style idea, but probably, mm, like, actual stores, like Wayfair, just because normally it's just kind of like the first one that pops up, a little bit more large variety online, just to kind of look through. Okay. And you have a somewhat unusual shopping experience in that you are a furniture renter, correct? Yes, I'm renting my furniture. Um, how I came to that conclusion, I really resisted it just because I wanted to like make the investment in furniture. But during market, I was asking around, I was asking designers um, like where they thought I should look. And of course, they're like, oh, just look around the showroom. And then you take one price at a look at a price tag and you're just like, never mind. And they said, you know, Habitat for Humanity might have stuff. And even the prices that Habitat had for Habitat for Humanity had, I just couldn't rationalize storing it for my last semester, moving it wherever I was going to be, and then also just like the price in general. They do have a lot of good stuff. So I was disappointed that I had to rent because I wanted to, you know, I have relationships with people in the furniture industry and obviously I wanted to support them, but my bank account didn't agree. So, so where are you renting from? I'm renting from Executive Furniture and they have, so how I learned about them was that they have a relationship with my apartment complex. So that was the one suggested to me and then I compared them with a couple other rentals and it was just like the best deal. What are you specifically renting? I'm renting a bed, bed frame, box frame, mattress, um, a dresser, one side table, one nightstand, a three cushion sofa, a high rise table with four, three um, stools, a, oh, um, a coffee table in front of my sofa, a TV stand, but more was offered in the package. It was just, I was living in a studio apartment and it just So this was fit. a pre-selected package? Pre-selected, but you can have the option of picking colors, vibes, stuff like that. And you can have more, so you can have like two side tables, two of this, mirrors, stuff like that, but um, it just didn't fit in the small little studio. <laughs> okay. uh, Adelaide, Addie, yes. who people probably know, you were an, in were an intern here recently, joined us, and um, for those who follow Furniture Today, you actually blogged about, or started your first blog about, your shopping experience. Share with folks who may not have read that, share your, your choices and how you came to do what you did with your new furniture. Yeah, so I'm a big old furniture nerd, so I was really excited to move out. It's something that I spent like, I didn't even find an apartment before I started looking for like furniture for the place, which isn't probably my best idea. But I spent a lot of time going from showroom to showroom. I know a lot of retailers, I know a lot of suppliers, so I was excited to go through, see pieces in real life, get an idea of scale, things like that. But in the end, I purchased everything so far that I have from Amazon, um, which felt like a real stab in the back to everybody I know. <laughs> but <laughs> that I did mostly because it was more affordable. It came right to my door. While it was not fun to build it, it was almost like an event for me and my friends. <laughs> Other than Amazon and some pieces that I received from an aunt that moved, everything is online. Okay, so for those of you who are listening, this is the fine print caveat portion of our recording. 
all of the people who are sitting around the table work here. So they are all in some degree predisposed to shop at furniture stores. In fact, prior to us going on air, they each asked if they were allowed to talk about Amazon or Wayfair because there is belief somehow that we are, um, it is our role to support the, the furniture store business. We support the furniture industry and are non-denominational when it comes to, or agnostic when it comes to where people shop. So where you shop, all of your ideas, so everyone who's listening knows, you're free to talk about whatever your process, <laughs> whatever your process was. How many of you can name a furniture store by name? If I just said, name me a furniture store, anybody just jump right in. Midtown Furniture. I'm sorry. Okay, Caracol. Caracol is. Okay, that's a brand, not a oh, store. Oh, That's okay. Badcock Furniture and more. Yes. Okay. Um, accessories abroad. Where did you just buy your furniture? Well, I bought a couple pieces actually from Accessories Abroad, but it's accent pieces. Okay, um, and your leather sofa came from? It came from a uh, Dave's Discount Furniture. Who you love, but whose name you couldn't remember. Right. Okay. <laughs> can, can, can anybody else name any other furniture stores? Rooms to go. Ashley Furniture Homes. Show off. You work the Show furniture us. today. <laughs> anybody else? Okay, so there, there's something that everybody who's listening should think about. We have all of these young people around, and naming a furniture store, um, even in this area, is something of a challenge. Can anybody name a furniture brand, other than Adelaide, who's worked at Furniture Today, and we rattle <laughs> off a whole bunch of names? Yes, that is the sound of silence that you hear. Go ahead, Adelaide. I mean, everything. Do I really Everything, that's a brand. <laughs> <laughs> Do I really? Just <laughs> now I'm nervous. Okay. <laughs> I actually want to hear some. Yeah. Caracol is a furniture brand. Okay, Caracol. There's Manoir. There's Phillips Collection. There's. Why am I getting? Why is this hard? <laughs> 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 All right. So let's talk a little bit about um, when you shop for furniture. And Hanny, we talked beforehand. You like antiques. I do. I like unique pieces. Sometimes like a little sentimental value. Um, I actually got my dressers antiquing, and then I have my grandmother's chair in the living room that I'm going to have reupholstered. So when you look for pieces to go with those antiques, because mm -hmm. we, you, you obviously you do not want a sofa that's an antique. You want something yes. that's new. How would you decide what fits with your antiques? Do you, where would you look for inspiration? What would your process be like? Um, looking back, like kind of sticking with a style, something I've always, it de I guess it depends on the furniture piece. Like our kitchen table, we had custom built from a couple in Mount Airy. Um, it was a farmhouse theme, like you got to pick the color, the height, the width, everything. And I was willing to wait, which they turned it around in a couple of weeks, which I thought was incredible. Um, but like the our nightstands, I wound up just ordering online because we kind of needed those right then. Um, but just going based off of style, convenience, uniqueness sometimes, um, and just sticking true with what I like, but also what's available, what I need, that sort of thing. Brandon, other than the fact that you bought a leather sofa because it's baby -proof. I'm all about comfort, too. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay, that raises a good question. One of the things that furniture stores often feel is an advantage for them is the ability to come in and try. Did right. you want to go in and Absolutely. sit on Absolutely. I mean, if I'm going to invest that kind of money, I want to be able to sit on it and try it out, for sure. <laughs> okay. I want to be able to wipe it, you know, wipe a few times on the leather, make sure things are going to come off that leather, you know, make sure it's good and sound. And 
Yeah. Did you like spill stuff on no, the leather no. in the store? <laughs> Bring your wipes. Smalls is nice and smooth and shiny. Yeah, he's we're no longer welcome in the store. He's like he's that guy that spilled stuff. Yeah, so he's stained. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you rented, but did you go try your furniture first, or did you? No. Nope. It was when it showed up the day of. That's what I was getting, and that's what I got, and that's what I have until August fifth. <laughs> okay, so having gone through that experience. Would you say that you would be more likely or less likely to make another rental purchase in your next, when you have your, say, more permanent apartment? Would you be more likely or less likely to go rental? I would say if I bought an apartment, I would go more likely to do a rental just because I'm graduating early in December, so finances. And then um, just with like how life is going to progress, I think it would be easier just to have furniture that's interchangeable. You know, my style is going to change, but I definitely would want the investment of having furniture that I will have for a while. And I probably will do like in-store purchases instead of just online when it shows up, that's what I'm getting type of a thing. Okay. Addie, how about you? You're looking at your first experience and the things that you purchased this time. Would you follow that same process in your next apartment or in your house? Or, or what, what do you feel like you learned from this experience? So I think I learned mostly because I started off really worried about maybe... I, I've heard horror stories, of course, like in online reviews of like, I got this and it was not what I expected. But I haven't been burned on any of the purchases I made online yet. Not even like a missing screw kind of thing. I struggled to put together the first bookshelf. I had to redo it four times, yes. But after that, like everything's been a breeze. I would say I would probably spend less time in stores because I don't know, I guess I trust the process of online buying and like with buying with Amazon, I'm a Prime member. So returning was free for me. And now even like in July, I think it is, they open up Kohl's, I can return to a Kohl's. That's gonna be even easier and I don't have to bother my mailman. I, while I like shopping in store and I like seeing stuff and I like running my hands on it, for me, in the price ranges I look at, it's not something that I would be concerned about seeing ahead of time. Because at the end of the day, if I buy a $70 bookshelf, I have an idea of like what I'm going to get again. Let's, let's talk about what affordability looks like, because everybody has a slightly different view of that. Um, and there's a perception that millennial and Gen Z consumers don't have a lot of disposable income and are looking for some really low prices. So let's just go around the table. Brandon, we'll start with you. Uh, when I, well, when I first started out um, and got married, we actually took a lot of, actually the really the first piece of furniture I ever bought was uh, our entertainment center. And that was when we first purchased our house. And this cow, this new cow that we just got is literally the first piece of brand new furniture we have bought since we've been married and we've been married almost seven years so um we've just pretty much been taking handy downs you know mm -hmm. uh, somebody, done that. yeah somebody gives gives some furniture away buy it cheap from them and you know just trying to get by so um when you went and you looked at that sofa did you have a price range in mind or did did you know yeah, what, about what a sofa cost yeah or? i had a budget well we we kind of looked around um Gone in there, and I was the guy that was just up and down constantly, you know, every single couch, <laughs> making sure it was comfortable enough. I was throwing my feet up, and it was great. Uh, but, um, but yeah, we, we definitely went in there with kind of a budget in mind, but at the same time, I wanted it to be comfortable enough, you know. I mean, if I'm going to invest that kind of money, I want it to be. In the end result, did you end up spending what you had budgeted, or did you stretch to a little bit above your budget? I stretched just slightly above, not 
not too far, but um, it was definitely in our price range. So. Did the salesperson suggest to you how did how did that process go? What what resulted in you trading yourself up to a little bit higher? Well, price? you know, it was a good um, couch. They they told me you know it's you know real Italian leather. You know they sold me on the whole product, um, and not only that, but it was the most comfortable couch in the showroom. So um, that those two things pretty much sold it for me. Okay. Hannah, how was your process in terms of, you know, how you budgeted, what you thought you were willing to spend? How did that, and I mean, you don't have to give us exact dollar amounts, but what was your sense of, where, you know, how you wanted to spend? Um, I was more so about finding something cheap, yes, but also something that's going to last, something of higher quality. Um, sentimental pieces, like I like antiquing and stuff, but something I'd pay more if it's going to be unique, if it's going to give something extra. So I was okay with spending the extra money for it if it was going to last or if it was really going to add something to my space. And you actually had a piece custom made, which mm -hmm. I imagine was not Ikea cheap. Actually, <laughs> it was, it may be the area that I live in, I'm not sure, but the price really wasn't terrible. Um, I thought I got a pretty good deal. So. Well, when you say pretty good deal, you mean pretty good deal relative to what you expected or yes. pretty good deal relative to what you'd find in Target? Well, I guess that's both. Um, so the space, our space is super small. We, our house is only like 750 square feet, I think. It's a two-bedroom home. It, it was built in the 1960. Um, so we had a very small area that we could put a table. And to be able to have it custom, like the size requirement, like we were able to use every bit of the space that we could. Um, so I thought that was a great deal to be able to get the exact size that I needed. But I do think it was cheaper still than Target, even though it was custom made. Okay. I'll need to get a number from yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. We have a lot of converts for custom made now all of a sudden. Yeah. Right? Um, I got a pretty reasonable apartment price per month, so I knew I didn't want to spend more on all of my furniture collectively than what my rent was going to be when I was first interested in buying furniture. Um, but what transferred me to renting was the price of storage and moving and everything like that. But when I was looking to buy furniture, I didn't want to buy one singular piece for more than like 200. So, I so whatever you were looking for, whether it was a sofa, whether it was a chest, a nightstand, whatever, you wanted $200 in your mind was where you wanted to be. Always. Yeah. And I came up with that number just because I talked to my siblings who both lived in New York and that's like maybe a box space. And then um, I looked at Wayfair and I looked at Amazon and I was just looking at prices and what you can get for a certain amount. And I did want something that was gonna be durable, something that was gonna last. And with staying in budget, I could probably find like four bed frames on Wayfair that were under 200 with free shipping. Um, you know, I'd had people that would put it together for free. So all of those costs kind of were what brought it and together. And you didn't have to disassemble it four times and reassemble it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so. Which, for the record, I, I have done. So I call it a bonding experience. For sure. <laughs> it is, it yeah. is. How did you approach, because you, you wrote about this in your blog, mm -hmm. like where you are budget-wise and you know, what you were willing to spend. I would like to describe my budget as dirt cheap. So really <laughs> for me, and I don't even know, I in my finances, I could have probably done more. I didn't want to just because I, I'm in this apartment, I have a year lease, I don't know where I'll be in a year. I don't know if I'll move in with a partner. I don't know if I'll move into a smaller apartment. Um, and I was gifted some, some nicer large ticket items. 
I got a really nice brand name sofa. I got a love seat. And um, I had a bed already. I mean, it's just a bed frame and box spring kind of thing. But I already had one of those for my master bedroom. So really all I needed was what I perceived to be some smaller price items. So like something to put a TV on, bookshelf, side table, stuff like that. So to me, spending more than $100 on any piece was like kind of ridiculous. I mean, at the point that I invest more than that in one room, I'll have spent more than I did on on even just like the rent in my apartment for a month. Did anybody look at reviews? Yes. yes. That's all I did, yeah. Yes. Okay, so tell me how you, kind of start with you, how did you rate reviews? In other words, when you look at reviews, what is your perception of that as, a, as an information source for you? How important is it? I would say it's pretty important because obviously if a piece of furniture isn't working out, someone's gonna be very quick to put the negative, but if, like it's easier to write a negative review than a great review because you're gonna be frustrated and stuff like that. But what brings a person to like the keyboard to write a great review is like that much satisfaction with the product. So um, good reviews meant a lot to me. The negative reviews, I took them with a grain of salt. And there were reviews even on like renting the furniture, like the quality of the furniture that I'd be getting for that certain amount of months. So it meant a lot. Hannah, you also said you looked at reviews. Yes. I'm a very avid in reading reviews from anything I buy versus clothing, furniture, anything that I'm going to purchase online. I read all the reviews. Um, even a product that doesn't have any reviews, I kind of stray from just because you don't get to read any negative nor positive, which almost kind of like if I could find another item that I could read a review on, whether it's positive or negative, I'd probably go with that item. So you're more likely to purchase something that has a review versus something that has absolutely zero reviews. Yes. Because you don't get the in-store experience, like you don't get to feel it or see it, but being able to see someone else's and read it, well not, see, not see it, but read it, read their review, then that means a lot. Brendan, you were also shaking your head, you read reviews. Oh yeah, I, I, uh, I always read reviews and I always try to outweigh, you know, I, w I want to make sure that the positive reviews outweigh the negative. I mean, if, obviously if there's more negative reviews, I'm not gonna, that's gonna sway me to something else. Um, but as long as there's not too many negative reviews, um, I usually purchase, you know, something, so. Do you all trust reviews when you look at that? Do you look at them? Carolyn, you're shaking your head. Not at all. Um. <laughs> okay, so you buy based on reviews, but you don't trust right. them. Explain that. Okay, you're all kind of saying that, yeah. so explain that, that to me. Um, I think there's three qualifications for a good review. I think what is the setting, so piece of furniture, like do you have kids? Mm -hmm. So does the fa the fabric comes into play, you know, how long are you planning on having this piece of furniture? And then the third thing is just like style-wise. Um, so if I see a review that says, great piece of furniture, love when people sit on it, that's not a good <laughs> review to me. Whereas, you know, my kid jumps on the sofa and the furniture still looks brand new and like the cushions come right back up and it looks great, then that's a good review to me. Like I have a golden retriever bouncing up and down on my bed and my sofa. So that, that's what mattered to me. Like the durability, I guess, is... Yeah, for me, a lot of the times it does come down to like a quality review. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's part of the reason why I ended up purchasing most everything from Amazon. Just because like, especially their top sellers and the stuff that are prime. I mean, they have like hundreds of reviews for some of the stuff I bought. And for me, it's that, that amount, you know what I mean? So if it's got one review and it's a glowing review versus like a hundred and maybe it's like 50-50, I'd still think I'd probably go with the one with more reviews just because to me that means like, well, more people had a positive experience with this. 
Because, I mean, you know, everyone has their own opinions, their own tastes, right. their own You're experiences. Never gonna, right, exactly. Not yeah. everybody's going to be happy with something. Can't mm-hmm. ever please everybody. So, Do you find that sometimes a negative review actually gives you insight into positive attributes of the, the product? Because somebody doesn't like something, but that might be something. Have you ever found that? And the reason I ask that is that it's occurred to me. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of times I'll see some for size. So someone will be like, oh, this piece is too big for my place. And I love it. I love it when other people upload photos mm-hmm. from their reviews, yeah. which yes. is another thing. Yes. Like a lot of the furniture stores that I looked at, their online stuff, because I got lazy sometimes and would just, you know, look online or browse to see what else they had. They didn't have an option where someone, it didn't look like there was any way for someone to upload a photo. But with Amazon, I mean, they literally, the top of their review bar is a gallery of photos of other people's stuff and like the way they're using it in their house. And for me, that's so helpful with like scale and like, what does it look like in a room or under yellow lighting? Or if this, if it looks, if someone took a crappy photo and it looks great even in that photo under somebody's like <laughs> yes. little kitschy house, it means a lot to me. So honestly, I look at reviews with photos most. And with that, usually comes ones that have been reviewed frequently. Hannah, you're shaking your head. Is that. Do you also look for photos? Is that yes, how? I even filter my reviews to mm-hmm. ones with photos yeah. so I can see the images. Hmm. Okay, so you mentioned scale. Is scale an important factor for anybody and everybody here? Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. like how it fits in the room. Well, the size of the room. Okay, I'm curious. Did it, Who does or does not measure prior to making a purchase? Does everybody measure? We have four hands. Everybody no, measures. I do not measure, no. Okay, so three. Okay, so, uh, sorry. So three out of four measured first. Um, when you were looking, for those of you who shopped online, did you look at the specs on the product to see what size it was? Not at first. Okay, so now we're down to two out of four. Hannah and Brandon <laughs> say yes, they, they measured, and you actually looked at the size specs. Carolyn, you did not measure. You did measure, but you didn't look to confirm that on the... My father room. measured, so I brought him. I had the apartment. I was looking for furniture, and he walked in and started measuring, and I was like, what are you doing? He was like, you need to know the size of the spaces for what you're going to put here. And I was like, oh, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I said, well, my apartment was built in 1930, so the ceilings are not very tall. Um, I said, well, I'm 5'11", about 6 foot. I don't want my... Um, bookshelf to dwarf me and I know that my couch is not very tall like it's not a very high sitting couch pardon sofa um (laughs) so I (laughs) such a mood (laughs) back to our caveat right we have a bunch of furniture people in the room they want to use the correct terminology it's okay to say couch please forgive them it feels wrong (laughs) it just feels like a sin so I knew my sofa wasn't very high sitting so I said well I don't want my media center to be super tall it's just basically like a coffee table height and so I said I I can handle this and then when I looked on like the specs for example when I was looking for the bookshelf let's say I was like uh this is 64 inches that's taller than me etc etc so that'll work or this won't work things like that and everybody has furniture that fits their space in retrospect after you made the purchase it actually worked out way better than I thought it would I expected to have to return things, and I have not. 
Hello, on the record listeners, I'm Caitlin Jazuski. This podcast is all about innovating. Did you know that 78% of millennial leaders actively seek out new business technology and digital opportunities? Storis is the furniture industry's unified commerce solution, supporting retailers in the evolution of their brick and mortar and e-commerce customer experiences. This year, our top 100 retailers grew their revenue by 8.74%, well above the industry average. Learn how technology can help your furniture retail business grow by visiting stores.com today. Thanks for listening. Out of curiosity, um, let's look at your your shopping experiences outside of furniture. Overall, any store you can shop at. Let's, we'll start brand new. So favorite store, best shopping experience you ever had? <laughs> Amazon. I mean, easy to go to. I mean, I, literally, they have everything you possibly could need. So um, I, that's usually my first go to. And I'll, you know, I'm actually um, in the market for some baby items for the beach. So uh, I've been shopping online for that type of stuff. Um, where, did, been great. where did you buy the furniture for your daughter to? <clears throat> Handy downs. Love that. Yes. Yep. And a favorite shopping experience. That is so tough. Um, Ironically, I looked through Walmart online for some stuff. And Walmart online is so, I feel like, so difficult sometimes. Um, And then I realized some of the stuff that started looking at who ships them or who sells them through Walmart. So I started going to their websites, which is where I discovered Hay Needle. And I really liked Hay Needle. Um, I was able to order the same, like, cabinet that I was going to get from Walmart, but I was able to use, they gave me a discount. They gave, I got a rewards account with them, or they sent me extra money back. So I wound up ordering, like, a porch swing and (laughs) that sort of stuff, just because they kept me in the loop with, like, the rewards, which Walmart wasn't going to do, even though it was the same product. Carolyn, favorite shopping experience? In store and online, Paris Teeter. <laughs> I mean, you said any industry, right? That's exactly correct. Okay, so why? Because um, of the Vic card, I get fuel points. So I'm not just saving in store with my groceries, but I'm also saving at um, uh, Harris Teeter gas stations as well as participating BP gas stations <laughs> um, and I get discounts on my gas as well because like you get fuel points mm-hmm. and those fuel points translate into dollar amounts when you uh, use your BIC card at a participating BP's or Harris Teeter. This is <laughs> not yeah, an ad. Is, yeah, this is not an ad for BP. <laughs> um, but it's just like everyone likes to save, everyone likes to feel like they're in the loop. Um, I'd also say like customer service wise is always so nice. And um, Lululemon's also a good one in and out of store just because of customer service. Now I heard you all giggle at Harris Teeter, but she just had some really valuable insights. Mm-hmm. So if I if I was a furniture store and I was listening, what I just heard is loyalty programs, reward programs are attractive and and have value, and connecting with something practical with gas. So there there was a lot of insight there. Not to mention yeah. the customer service and friendly. We Go should ahead, say for people who don't live around here, Harris Teeter is like a grocery, grocery store, store chain. Yeah, yeah yes. they're regional. Um, I guess online, Amazon makes me feel safe. I don't know why. <laughs> I guess because they're so big and I've returned so many things that, like, they probably shouldn't have let me return for free because, like, it was my fault that something didn't work out. Or... Good. You should say that publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Just to let y'all know. <laughs> Amazon's coming for you. Like, you know, I mean, they have policies that allow for pretty loose returns, but, like, if you, for example, just order something and you're like, oh, I didn't need this, which I have done many times, 
Um, they are not fans of letting you return it, but they will. Just that's a hot tip. Um, but like in person, I really enjoy boutique shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for a long time in a mall setting, so I worked at what's called Torrid. It's owned by Hot Topic. It's like women's clothing, but they give you it's a chain. But the idea is like boutique experience. So like we know the customers by name. We put their names on the doors. We help. We fit them. Stuff like that. And it made me really appreciate. I don't like to talk to people when I shop a lot, but I do now enjoy like a boutique of like someone knows you, they actually know the product that they're talking about. So in person, I really, that's part of the reason why I wanted to see so many showrooms and why I liked going into furniture stores was to see all the salespeople, to see what they had to say about this. Again, to just touch and feel and get to know it. So, I mean, I don't have a particular boutique in mind, but just, again, that sort of, they care about you. It's a local person. Mm-hmm. It's real. But online, it's about the safety of a large corporation that will give me my money back. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, at the drop of a hat. <laughs> um, a lot of people seem to feel that your generations um, are interested in things like environmental friendliness, sustainability, and that having a story around that will influence your purchases. Does that? Does that way, would anybody be more likely to make a purchase because a product had a, a, a sustainable or an environmentally friendly story? And so those of you who are not getting to see the expressions on the faces, it doesn't seem like this is a real <laughs> hot topic. There's a lot of pondering looks around the table here. I would say it depends. So, I mean, it's easy. Like, I'm, what I'm thinking about is like a water bottle. Is it using recyclable plastic? versus I'm sure you're thinking about furniture where like is it recyclable fabric um I mean is that recyclable fabric a performance fabric it's gonna really like depend I don't know much about eco-friendliness in the furniture industry if I'm being well for example if somebody said this wood um comes from for every piece of furniture we make we replant the tree um, or that this would, is yeah. wood from a sustain, from sustainable forestry. Would that be something that would make you more interested or more likely to make the purchase? And would you pay extra money for that? Mm. Maybe I'm a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> at the ages we're at, <laughs> extra money. Yeah. For me, and it's more about. And I mean, I have. I don't use plastic bags in grocery stores. I carry my own. I recycle. I do all the things because I mean that's just what I was taught. Like the world's burning down. We have to help it. <laughs> So I do those things, but when it came to furniture, I mean, I bought, frankly, disposable furniture, fast furniture. So, and if if online, like, the company I'd ordered from was like, we do plant a tree, I'd be like, that's sick. It's also $70, which is sicker for me, personally. So I would still probably buy for, for price if, I mean, it's just about means. Like, I could have bought a beautiful table that used natural finishes and... They grew that tree themselves and then cut it down ethically. Like, I could have done all that, but then I would have only had that table, and um, that would have really hurt me personally. <laughs> Not a great place <laughs> yeah. to sleep, right? You have to eat on it, sleep on it. Yeah, so it, it really does come down to price. But if you can throw in, just like any sort of, like, extra gadget, 
You know what I mean? Like any extra offer was up. So if two things are equal, you might lean toward that, but that's not going to cause you to pay more. Hannah, you're shaking your head. Is that? Yes, I agree. Um, I think that's great if they do plant a tree. Like if I buy this table and a tree gets planted out of it, I think that's awesome. And I would do that definitely as long as the price, if it's slightly more, I still probably would think it was worth it, but it depends on how much more. If it's a lot, then Mm -hmm. probably not. And maybe one day when I'm a millionaire, I will buy. <laughs> You'll plant all the trees. Yeah. After you we'll get out of jail for using yeah. Amazon return policies. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, how does how does that weigh in for you? Uh, I mean, just like Hannah said, I mean, that's a good incentive to buy it. But, I mean, it's still, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to price uh, for me. Uh, it's got to be affordable, you know. Um, like I said, I'm not going to spend the whole budget on one thing just because you're going to plant a tree. Um have but. any of you shopped anywhere where you've had to interact with a salesperson, whether it's shopping for a car or some, some kind of venue where you've had a human being come in contact with you and, and sell you something? Yes. yes. Okay. How do you like that experience and what did you like or not like about it? And Carolyn, your expression says, oh, I have a story to tell. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I am, for those of you out there, I am the sales intern for Furniture Today. So, and I also worked at J. Crew as a sales associate. So I've been that salesperson and I've honestly interacted with that salesperson on the other end and they don't know when to stop. I think they don't know when to, you know, like if you're shopping by yourself, you don't want to walk into a store and gain a shopping buddy. Like you would have brought one with you if you wanted a shopping buddy type of thing. Um, I think if you have questions, like some people are hesitant to ask whether it comes, you know, do you have this size or does it come in this fabric kind of a thing? But like I've had situations where salespeople have literally just like followed me around a store. I was in a furniture set was in a furniture store and someone was like following me and my friend around and I did have questions and it was helpful to have them right there but it made me feel like extremely uncomfortable and kind of in a sense that like they didn't trust me either because I was so young or something like that like are they checking to see if I'm stealing something like it kind of just like took away from the experience and I like left early because they were just mm-hmm. trying to make conversation I couldn't focus on what I was doing it was a lot Adam, you can say something. Um, I agree with Caroline. Um, Sometimes I feel overwhelmed already going into a store and trying to look at everything. So having someone kind of follow you around almost makes you want to keep walking instead of kind of just sit and try it. Like Mm -hmm. if you wasn't walking behind me, I probably would sit and try it, but you feel rushed almost, or Mm -hmm. that's my opinion at least. Okay, that's valuable. Brandon, what was your shopping experience like? Um, I mean, I've had several shopping experiences. Uh, I mean, a car. dealership most of the salespeople were actually pretty good there um they weren't really you know most especially a car dealership they're usually pretty uh, pushy but um i really haven't had a well, you sounded like you had a, a pretty good furniture shopping experience. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> okay, so great. I mean, I took a nap on the way the, around the store. It's <laughs> but the salesperson apparently explained things to you and actually was able to, to help you buy a right. more. Which, he, which when, I can't really, I, I got to be a little biased on that because I know the guy, the salesman, so he's a buddy of mine as well. So it's not really, you know. Okay, so it's not necessarily right. an example of right. if it was a stranger. Okay, so let's, let's just hypothesize for a second that there was a stranger around the store mm-hmm. how would you feel having a stranger who's not your buddy walk with you around a furniture store it would definitely be uncomfortable mm-hmm. very yeah. i like 
salespeople. I don't have a problem. My only issue with salespeople is, again, like when they don't know. Again, I like a boutique experience, but if I'm not feeling it, if I'm if I don't like the salesperson, mm-hmm. I, I do wish they would leave me alone earlier. Mm-hmm. That being said, what will really put me off of a salesperson anytime, and um, it really happens a lot. Like when I bought my first car, when I bought my second car, they talk down to you about stuff. Yeah. And with furniture, that really bothers me, partly because I know so much, but I think just in general that bothers anyone, even if they know nothing. Nobody likes to be talked down to. They don't like to be over-talked. And especially someone who does know a little bit about what in furniture shopping, not in cars. Like, it was annoying for someone to explain something when it's, like, clear I didn't ask them to. And I think that's a hard line to walk for salespeople of of over-explaining and being pushy. And I think that's why they overstep it so many times, of just... I think it's all about reading somebody's body language. If they're rushing through the store, you probably shouldn't follow them. But if they are looking back to you and asking you questions and sort of leading you with them and going slow, I think you have a right to stay there and try to make that sell. But I also understand, like, a lot of you are working on commission and things like that. So it's hard because everybody knows what you're doing, and it's hard to be the person trying to get someone to spend money. I understand their job. I don't like it when they push it on me. Salespeople, I would just like to say disclaimer: we're great people, but um, it's definitely you gotta you gotta know how to read a room. You gotta know how to read a person. Um, it's talking down to is de- getting talked down to is definitely the worst. And like we are all so young, um, you know, if we walk into a room and we have somebody else that's fifty trying to sell to us. I will probably, like with furniture purchasing, I did bring, you know, a friend that was older than me so they would be able to have, like, oh, like, maybe I do know a little bit more about this. Like, but going individually, I feel like you do get talked down to just because you are young and you they do feel as though they could take advantage. Um, but no one's going to return to a store where they felt as though they were taken advantage of and that they were talked down to. So, like they kind of go back and hurt themselves as a salesperson because no one's going to want to go back. Yeah, and I mean, not to bring, like, a gender aspect into this, but I think especially as, like, a 21-year-old, like, blonde, ditzy-looking girl, people oftentimes are like, oh, Lord, what is she doing in here? So, I mean, yeah, like, especially even with, like, car shopping. I brought the biggest, most experienced, I guess would be the word, toughest-looking guy I knew, and I even for furniture shopping after... The first couple times I brought friends with me because it was just easier that way. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, if I couldn't bring like a somebody new who looked like they knew what they were doing, like a dad kind of figure almost, I would just bring like a group of friends that didn't take my sales seriously. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? If they saw like a group of teenage girls, they just assumed we couldn't be shopping and they left me alone. Oh, it was yeah. kind of miraculous. No, for sure. There's I've had people bring me furniture shopping with them just because I've interned in the industry for a while and they don't want to be taken advantage of um and I've had like conversations with some salespeople where they're like oh yes like this is a performance fabric like this that and the other thing I was like could you explain to them what that means you know if I spill red wine on this is it that type of performance fabric where it's going to come out or is it performance fabric in terms of the longevity of how nice the fabric is going to look for how long like sometimes they just don't go into depth and if you don't ask not just in the furniture industry but if you don't ask those specific questions then they can kind of make it so vague 
to a point where, oh, this is what you're looking for in terms of performance fabric, but like, what do, exactly does that mean though? That's a great insight. It's about talking about the benefit as opposed to the feature and not using industry jargon. We all mm-hmm. may know what the term performance fabric is, but to the consumer, that's they have a, that's no a, idea. Yeah, that's a really yeah, good yeah, insight. Yeah. Especially when it's so brand specific. What I really like when, I, it can be manufacturers creating this for showrooms to put out, is when they do like literature or like pre-existing signage or like displays that explain. And I, I know a lot of fabric guys that do it where, you know, they'll create like the fake spill scene or like they'll leave like, here, take this little test and rub whatever you want on it. And then they'll explain how it works. Kind of like a kiosk. Yeah. I really enjoy that because it's something where you can go, either I want to learn more about this mm-hmm. and no one's going to shove it down my throat or I can ignore it and continue my shopping. Yeah. I really enjoy those like pre-setup. Or even just like, again, signs to say, open me here, I have this, or lean back in me, or feel my Italian leather, or like whatever it says. Those are helpful, but also with the salespeople making it like personal. If you got a personal connection with them, so like for sofas, I was looking for a fabric where the golden retriever hair would come off easy. If anybody's ever had a golden retriever, they got a lot of long hair. And um, the woman on the phone with me, even though I wasn't in store with her, she said, I'll make sure to get you a sofa that does have fabric that's friendly for easy lift off, easy like swipe and it will come off and it won't stick. So if they're able to very to cater to those needs, then I think it makes it like 10 times, and they understand, it's like, oh, like you have a golden retriever, like no, like you can't have these fabrics. It's like, oh, here is the fabric you can have. Price negotiation. How do you feel about, are you more comfortable if the price is the price and, and, the, and the stores or the website is firm on the price, or do you like to be able to negotiate and feel like you got a, a good deal? And Hattie, I heard you, gro- Hattie, I heard you groan there right <laughs> on my right-hand side as you said that, so why? Well, I'm Southern, so we don't talk about prices out loud. That's rule growing up. <laughs> people's salaries, people's age, people's weight. And prices. Numbers. <laughs> yeah, numbers. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do math. So it always makes me nervous. And again, it, I think, too, it was like my first experience with, like, negotiating price was with a car. And that whole experience was awful for me because I, it was just, like, dudes being dudes. And I was, like, a little, again, a little ditzy blonde girl who didn't know what she was really doing. And so haggling is not easy for me. I also just don't like to – I don't want to ask for a price so low that it's offensive Mm-hmm. Or that then it becomes clear that I don't know what I'm talking about. But I also am worried when I haggle that, like, they are taking advantage of me because I just I didn't ask for enough or I something like that. So a firm price for me is easy just because I don't have to think about it. Brandon, haggle or no haggle? Um, I like haggle. Uh, I like a little cushion room, you know. Um, you know, you can always have, like, incentives, you know, cash prices. You know, if you pay cash, you know, you get a lower discount, you know. Um, things like that, but you know, I I try to wiggle the the uh, the price a little bit. Um, it just makes it feel like I got a better deal, honestly. Hannah, haggle, no haggle. No haggle. I'd rather go in knowing like I'm gonna pay this amount, which most time I do my research, so I kind of have an idea of what it's gonna cost going in. But for me to budget, I want to know like this is the price I'm gonna pay. This this is coming out of my account, <laughs> like when I purchase it. And if I get there and they have like a sale, or if I can keep up and kind of figure out if they're having a sale, then that's awesome. But I'd rather get there. I'm not gonna haggle you or anything like that. Like that's the price, and I'm gonna pay it. 
Carolyn, haggle, no haggle? I would say with furniture, 110% haggle. Looking at Habitat for Humanity, I'm a huge consignment shopper. Um, if I know I could get, if I saw this sofa, like a three cushion sofa for $100, but I walk into a store and there's a smaller sofa with not as great fabric on it, then I'm gonna say, well, there's this sofa right over here that I can go buy, but I would love to purchase from with you guys, so work with me. <laughs> okay, okay. So last question: um, If I if I gave you a million dollars and said you can go refurnish your house anywhere you want, where would you start, Brandon? Probably the living room. Definitely, because that's okay. where you're gonna spend most of your time. Uh, when you're not at work, so. Okay, Hannah, you have an unlimited budget and in any room you can go attack, where are you going? I would go outside. <laughs> right now, it might be because of the weather, but I've been really into like the porch swing and the outdoor seating and getting like a space like on the front porch kind of patio, that sort of thing of making like an inviting place outside. So that's where I would go. I would go kitchen, but I like grew up with a very open kitchen. That was like the hangout spot for my family, so I would definitely do kitchen. Eddie. Living room for me too, because it is, I mean, it's where I spend all my time now, and I live alone. Like, I don't even have anybody over. I just like it in there better. I don't have TVs in the bedroom either, so that's where I watch TV. That's where I hang out with my friends. That's where I greet the delivery guy. Like, that's everything for me. So, yeah, there. All right. Well, thank you all for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. I hope you got some great insights in this week's On the Record.